You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Solak Show here on VGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. I am Benjamin Solak, riding solo in the host seat for this one because uh, it is time to get my full thoughts out on an Eagles draft class that, firstly, number one, had too many players that I did not watch in it, uh, which was inconvenient for me, uh, which I I missed uh, Zach McPherson, the corner out of Texas Tech, and Marlon Tuipelotu, the uh, uh, defensive tackle at USC. So I had to get both of those guys filmed on across the course of this week so I could sit down and tell you whether or not it's a good class. And I should say uh, it is a ambitious class. Uh, it could be a really, really good group. Uh, I do think it could be a really, really exciting group. I also think there's a chance, uh, uh, a good chance that there's a lot of busts and there's a lot of flameouts. Uh, and it's tricky. A lot of it has to do with coaching staff and usage, which we're going to talk about. But in general, it's pretty clear that the Eagles largely stuck to their uh, philosophy as a team, philosophy as a front office in this class. Nine players drafted. Eight of whom has have had at least twenty starts. Uh, Zach McPherson had twenty one starts at Texas Tech after the transfer from Penn State. Milton Williams had twenty three starts at Louisiana Tech, despite the fact that he was kind of a late bloomer and, and kind of came onto the position late. Uh, only Kenny Gainwell had fourteen starts, and of course Gainwell was on a depth chart with uh, Daryl Henderson and Antonio Gibson in his first year at Memphis. Then he had 14 starts that next season as the starting running back along with Gibson. And then this past year opted out. And so he's the, he's on, the only one below 20 starts, which is something we talked about in the pre-draft show. Uh, he comes in at 14 with, with the opt-out, so decently close. So they largely stuck to their philosophy there. They were a little bit more flexible in terms of their testers. We talked about how much they prioritize uh, straight-line explosiveness, vert, 40, and broad. Devonta Smith and Landon Dickerson both don't test for them. Milton Williams is a 99th percentile interior defensive line tester at literally all three of those. Ludicrous athlete. Kenny Gainwell, uh, 78th percentile in the 40, 56th percentile in the vert, 69th nice percentile in the broad. So he hits on 40 and broad and just misses on the vert. Uh, Marlon Tuipelotu was 65th percentile in the vert, 35th in the broad. He pulled his hammy on his 40. Uh, Teron Jackson was 77th percentile in the 40, 12 in the 12 in the vert, and then 68 in the broad. And then Jacoby Stevens and Patrick Johnson were both full qualifiers, uh, 70, 97, and 95 for Jacoby. He's always been a high caliber athlete. And then 83, 72, and 71 for Patrick Johnson, among all edges uh, for, for Johnson, just putting him in that big bucket group. Whether or not the Eagles view him as an edge or a, a stack linebacker is is a, an item of concern and of question. So they're largely stuck to their, their philosophy there. Uh, with that said, they took some really big swings. Uh, both Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson did not test. Uh, and usually we don't see the Eagles draft guys who, who don't have testing. Uh, we also don't usually see them draft from Alabama, <laughs> which has been a running joke, but they do. They make back-to-back Alabama picks. Uh, and these are really big swings of the plate because Devontae Smith 
historically looks like he'll have to be a, a, a bit of a outlier or a bit of a, a surprise in terms of his play weight uh, to, to succeed at the NFL. And Landon Dickerson's coming off of, of three total season-ending injuries. So we're going to start with those two, the two Alabama kids, the big crown jewels of this class, Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson, who right now feel like great picks, and talk a little bit about the risk that goes into those players. So Devontae Smith uh, was listed at 6'1", 175 for Alabama during his final season there. Uh, we didn't really get a, a testing process from him. He elects not to weigh in at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he officially comes in with a height of six foot and a quarter, 170 pounds uh, at the Alabama Pro Day. And he's he's understood to play around 166 pounds. Now, I wrote in... Oof, January 2021, so uh, this was right after the national championship, uh, about how the NFL will view Devontae Smith relative to his size, and particularly his his body mass index, right? Because it's not so much about uh, pure weight, though we're going to talk about pure weight here in a second, but it's also the fact that at over six foot, uh, he's particularly slight. He's particularly slender. You know, he's affectionately coined the Slim Reaper, and and we like that. That's a lot of fun. Um, but it is a, a a gesture to the fact that he is not just a light dude, but a thin dude. If you look at players like Marquise Brown, who came in at 166 pounds, well, he's five nine and three eighths. If you look at Deshaun Jackson, who was uh, 169 pounds when he came out, he was five foot ten. Uh, if you look at KJ Hamler out last year, 178 pounds. He's five foot nine. Antoine Randall Al, five foot ten, one ninety. When you're shorter, you have a little bit more density. And anecdotally in the league, body density gestures towards endurance, the ability to survive the attrition of a season and of a career. Uh, you you want to have muscle mass and density because you're going to hold up better to hits. That's the presiding philosophy uh, in terms of proof of this statistically relevant, significant proof. There really hasn't been any of which I'm aware. But that's typically how the league looks at you. And so when you have a upright and thinner dude, that starts to become a little bit more of a concern. So Devontae Smith, uh, as I wrote, uh, only four receivers have had multiple seasons of at least 1,000 yards receiving while playing under 180 pounds in the NFL in the last 20 years. That's, that's a lot of condition. So we'll, we'll, we'll make it a, a clearer frame. Since 2000, the players who have successfully had more than one season, multiple seasons of 1,000 yards, are John Brown, who's had two such seasons, Emmanuel Sanders, who's had three such seasons, Brian Hartline, who had two such seasons, Deshaun Jackson, who's had five such seasons, all playing under 180 pounds. So Deshaun, John Brown, speed threats, right? Explosive play guys, clearly like crazy down the field, nuts, uh, you know, deep speed, take take the top off the defense. Emmanuel Sanders, 5'11", a buck 80. Much more so what you expect Devontae Smith to be in terms of a Z receiver, move around the formation, slot and outside, run some routes all around. Same thing is true Brian Hartline, who was like 6'2", 180. But I, I, I'm, from what I understand, I don't really remember Brian Hartline's playing career that well. Uh, he played out of a slot a fair bit. Uh, so that was kind of more so his, his usage there. So the comp that you often see for... Devontae Smith is Marvin Harrison, right? And it's worth noting that Harrison was listed at 185. So 15 potential pounds heavier than Devontae Smith, six foot 185. He, of course, had eight seasons 
I want to say, of over 1,000 yards. So very successful career for Marvin Harrison, but he's not necessarily fitting into this framework. And I'm not trying to intentionally exclude him by making the cutoff 180 pounds. Devontae plays at like 170, probably less. So this is giving him a lot of extra room. And the fact that Harrison played at 185 is substantially different. Uh, so while I, I understand and I appreciate the the comparison in terms of play style and usage, and Harrison wasn't the biggest guy, Devontae's size is, is substantially different. If we go for body mass index, right, which again tries to uh, account height into this conversation as well as weight. If he's six foot and a quarter and he weighs 174, 170 pounds, his BMI is right around 23, right? Which kind of generally, a general area, it, right? Just like, you know, uh, get as close as we can because obviously play weight changes and so on and so forth. Uh, only Robbie Anderson, which was 2020 last year, and Steve Breston in 2008 have produced 1,000 yard seasons with a BMI under 24. So what does this mean? Largely like nothing, which I, I just went in depth on it, obviously, but body mass index does not describe a good player. Play weight does not describe a good player. Talent does. Uh, what do you do when you're on the field? The field is a tremendous player. But the reason that Smith was drafted after Jalen Waddell and was drafted after Jamar Chase is because when you put the three of those guys up against each other, you say, all right, everybody's film here is tremendous. Who are we going to draft? You want to draft the guys who have traditional sizes and clear models in recent league history before you draft the guy who simply doesn't. If Devontae Smith has multiple 1,000-yard seasons, which do not get it twisted, when you draft a wide receiver in the top 10, you are expecting him to have multiple 1,000-yard seasons. If he does that, he will be an outlier relative to how other players of his size have predict have performed. We have not had receivers in the last 20 years have multiple 1,000-yard receiving seasons with body mass index under 24. So when you look at Waddle versus Chase for Smith, you have more certainty. You have more reason for faith in Chase and Waddle in terms of their historic size and how they're built performing the league than you do for Devontae Smith. It's really that simple. That's why he gets drafted after Jamar Chase and after Jalen Waddle. The Eagles elect to be the team to stop his fall by trading up to 10 to go get him. And they get in front of the Giants, who would have been the team to stop his fall at 11, because Dave Gettleman doesn't give a hoot about this sort of stuff. Dave Gettleman wants good ball players. The Eagles typically are a lot more analytically inclined, so they would care much more about historical trends in, in play weight and production, so on and so forth. But they like to go get him. He's a really good football player. And so, do we get multiple 1,000-yard seasons out of Devontae Smith? I think so. But this is a, a big bet that is a, that is a substantial and difficult bet and that's why he was made picked after jamar chase and Jalen waddle is because there is a lot more risk there and how can that risk manifest itself it can manifest itself with injury uh which he's largely avoided major injury across the course of his alabama career he had the finger injury uh which came uh, at the end of the season last season but besides that has generally been very healthy uh, so it can come from that. It can come from a general sap of athleticism over the course of several hits. Uh, it can come from a sudden inability to get off of press coverage and to play through contact. Uh, I know, oh, he's got, he's had Matt Harmon charted best reception perception against press coverage. I, I'm not surprised. He was freaking good in college. Uh, SEC corners. I'm not surprised like, that they, they, he was able to beat those guys. Absolutely. He's very, very talented. But it is different in the NFL. If everything you did in the SEC translated to the NFL, every team would only draft SEC players and they would never have any busts ever. So it has been the case 
that this has not transferred. Uh, and so he has every every tool you want, every trait you want, extremely good player, ready to contribute now, run routes at all three levels, uh, create after the catch. He's won contested catches in college. You're not sure if he's going to do that as well in the pros, but you hope. He's released off of press in college. You're not sure if he's going to do that in the, in the pros, but you hope. He's a freaking punt gunner, <laughs> as Nick Sirianni brought up. And so you love the, the physicality. Uh, you love the willingness to be tough. It's just you're not sure if it's going to be as easy. Um, so Devontae is amazing. We love him. We are not sold that it, 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 there's as good of a chance with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle that Devontae is really good. There's a bigger chance with Devontae as opposed to Smith and Waddle, just opposed to Waddle and Chase, excuse me, that he ends up bad, that he ends up busting, that he ends up coming in under expectation. So got to keep him healthy. Try to avoid hits with him. If they're playing him on special teams, they're outside their God-given minds. And hopefully use him on all three areas, all, all three receiver alignments, X receiver on line of scrimmage, Z receiver off line of scrimmage, and in the slot. Give him routes short and intermediate because he's really, really good after the catch. Uh, and yeah, if you're going to throw him contested balls, throw him contested balls. You're just going to try to keep him away from safety hits, away from linebacker hits. If you're going to throw him across or try to protect him from contact because the worry is that a thin frame like Devontae is going to lead to injury and that's going to sap his ability to stick in the NFL and develop into the player we all hope he is. So very excited for Devontae Smith. Heisman award-winning wide receiver. Loved watching his film. Absolutely loved the dude. Suit looked great. Would love to call him the Slim Reaper. Would love to buy that shirt that his brand is releasing. That thing is sick. Um, but this is why he was the third receiver, despite winning the Heisman. Should have been, you know, bona fide first, slam dunk. But he wasn't because there is this inherent concern baked into his eval when you look at kind of the history of the position. That's Devontae. My absolute favorite thing about doing this pod by myself is like, if Kiss were still here, Kiss would be like, yeah, but he's good. Shut up. You hate Devontae. think he's bad. Now he's not here. Nobody does that. And so I can just like be as detailed and as as fence city and as granular as i want nobody can say anything okay landon dickerson uh with dickerson it's not so nearly as long of a explanation it is the eagles decided to make him an early second round pick because he has started at left tackle right tackle left guard right guard center right guard again then center so is the greatest player alive uh he has legitimate experience at all three interior positions and has the size, six foot five, three hundred and thirty-three pounds, thirty-three and a quarter inch arms, to play outside if he needs to. Uh, so realistically, he's going to compete for at least three, if not more, positions across the course of this year and next season. Uh, the film is absolutely bananas. To me, he is the the second best interior player on film without question, behind Elijah Vera Tucker. Absolutely, the man, ton of fun, gigantic red flag. All right, so this from Dane Brugler, uh, the Beast uh, at the Athletic. Durability is a bright red flag after missing most of his first three seasons at Florida State and finishing his Alabama career with a knee injury. Suffered a torn ACL on his right knee, November 2016, as a freshman, which required season-ending surgery. Suffered a right, angle in right ankle injury, October 2017, that required season-ending surgery. Suffered a left knee sprain, September 2018, that he later re-aggravated, missing most of the 2018 season. He then played for all 2019. Suffered a torn ACL in his left knee, December 2020, requiring surgery so three season ending surgeries uh a torn ACL on his right knee in 2016 a right ankle injury in 2017 and then another torn ACL this time in his left knee in 2020 he has torn both ACLs he has also had ankle injuries in both ankles it just doesn't really get bleaker than that that's very concerning stuff so 
they pick Landon Dickerson at what, 38, 37, 38, 37. Ideally, he comes in. Uh, if Brandon Brooks is healthy and good to go, he beats out Isaac Samuela for the starting left guard spot. Samuela becomes offensive line six. If and when Jason Kelsey retires, he can potentially play that role. He'd be one of the biggest centers in the freaking world, but he can play that role or you can kick Samuela in the center and leave him at left guard. If Brandon Brooks comes back and is not 100% of the stuff because Brooks is also coming off a major injury, Dickerson can win the right guard job. If Brooks comes back and is good, Kelsey is obviously still here and he's good. And I don't say him all that wins the camp job. Dickerson, six offensive linemen off. He backs up all the interior spots. Jack Driscoll can back up right tackle. Jack Driscoll can back up left tackle. Uh, the Eagles can trade Andre Dillard. Sick. But that which is ideal is unlikely to happen with Dickerson because he simply, it, it is unrealistic to expect that Dickerson remains healthy at any given time, which it sounds horrible to say, but this has not been his history as a player. So the Eagles may take this swing and, and, and at some point by 2022, he's going to have one of these starting interior jobs. How much faith do you have that he's going to give you 16 game seasons? Prognosticating injury is very difficult, but the Eagles have not done a good job internally with their medical department, keeping players healthy and re recuperating players from minor injuries, let alone major injuries. And so it's another very big swing where, okay, if Devontae's good, I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, Dickerson is really good. He's unbelievable size, great flexibility, ludicrous power, uh, excellent movement skills, and also like loves football and is just great and is a finisher and is energy and just such a fun dude to root for. He's extremely injury prone, and it, it seems unlikely. With Devontae, it's like there's a chance that he just doesn't hit because it's tough for slender players to stick in the league a wide receiver. With Dickerson, it just seems unlikely that Dickerson's able to offer substantial, trustworthy play over the course of his first contract, let alone his second, as the attrition of continued snaps in the NFL invites more and more opportunities for injury. I will say this. For Dickerson to have sustained all the injuries he did, ACL injury, right ACL, right ankle, left ankle, and then to come and play as he did in 2019 and 2020 for Alabama, the the athleticism that he showed after all those injuries is, is mighty impressive. Uh, he's a good athlete. Both Devontae and, and Dickerson didn't test, but they're both clearly plus athletes. That speaks to his recuperation ability, right? That speaks to the, the elasticity of his body to be able to come back from those injuries and not seem lacking of juice. But uh, it is still tough to assume that he'll be available for 17 games a season for multiple seasons. That's a really hard bet to make right now. So with Devontae and with Dickerson, you have these two really, really big swings at the plate, right? It's like, all right, these guys, if Dickerson is healthy and Smith translates despite his frame, both of them are round one talent players, and they're, they're big time, they're premium positions, big time positions of need. They needed Devontae really badly. Dickerson gives them flexibility with what to do with their interior. This is great, but there's, there's significant red flags with these guys. You can, I wouldn't say that Milton Williams has a red flag. We move on to the Eagles third round pick, but the conversation there is ceiling is super high, just like Dickerson and Smith, but he's not there yet. And to get there, coaching is going to be really, really important. Milton Williams, multiple-year starter at Louisiana Tech. Uh, and they played a, a, a three-down front, tight front, mint front. You've heard it referenced in the league a little bit. You've heard me talk about it before. But Williams was playing the four-eye role on the defensive line. So we say three technique. You hear me say that a lot. It's a pass rusher in the B-gap. Your, your inside shoulder as a defensive tackle is on the outside shoulder of the guard across from you, right? So you're... In the B-gap, shaded towards the guard. 
Milt Williams played the four eye technique, which is just like four inside, which means instead of being shaded to the guard, he was shaded to the tackle. So still lined up in the B gap, but he's relating to the tackle. He's closer to him than he is to the guard. He plays in this role, in this alignment, in this defense. Williams was asked to play very much so a, a reactive role. Uh, and so he was asked to defend the run first, to be able to control multiple gaps and be able to uh, read backfield action and, and, and go relate to the quarterback on, on his own read or what have you. Uh, not given as many opportunities to just get off the ball, get upfield and go. Now, can he do that? Absolutely. And you can see that in his film easily, or you can want to see a 4.63 40-yard dash with a 38.5-inch vert and a 10-1 broad, which, again, these are all 99th percentile numbers, and say, all right, he's explosive. You know, it's very, very clear. Now, it's worth noting he's getting measured against interior defensive linemen on those measures, and he weighs 284 pounds. So once again, the Eagles took an undersized player here. 6.963 cone, that's 99th percentile. 4.33 short subtle, that's 99th percentile. 10-yard split was 1.65, which is 93rd percentile. All of his measurements for explosiveness and transition ability are 90th percentile or higher. Bench press, 34 reps, 87th percentile. And that is the thing. He has really nice upper body power. When he fires his hands, you feel it. Uh, and he's able to shack, uh, stack and shed. He's able to shock blockers accordingly. But this four-eye roll is not analogous to what he's going to be asked to do in the league. Unless Jonathan Gannon is going to come out here and run some tight front, which would be cool and fun and we would like. No. Milton Williams' role is going to be different in the NFL than it was in college. Now, it's worth, it's worth saying with emphasis, Williams himself said that he envisions being able to play edge on early downs and then kicking onto the interior on, on passing downs. And people have brought up Malik Jackson and kind of what he did for the Eagles. And all that is well and good. Uh, but we should say with emphasis, Williams is a interior player. That's what he is. He is an interior player. He's 6'3", 285 right now. And his frame can very clearly take on more weight and should take on more weight. He has 31 and a half inch arms, which uh, uh, short arms you can get away with in the interior, much more difficult to get away with uh, on the outside. And so I think if he's asked to play as like an edge, like, you know, because obviously in that, B, in that, excuse me, that Louisiana Tech defense, he's like the last dude on line of scrimmage with his hand in the dirt. So like he's a quote unquote edge, but he really functionally isn't. And he's not going to be used that way by Philadelphia. So even if he does get some base down five technique reps where he's lined up on the outside shoulder of the tackle, I do not think he's going to be an edge functionally for them much at all especially after like a year in the program where i would say they get time to put weight on his body with that said because he doesn't necessarily know how to use his hands right now doesn't necessarily have rush moves right now because again playing the four eye technique he's playing run first slow to pass rush because he doesn't have ideal length and so he's not necessarily going to have like fletcher cox clubs and arm overs and whatnot he's a little bit stubbier he does benefit from a Indianapolis Colts-like defensive structure that will allow him to stunt, twist, and gain. Because when you can get an interior rusher with this much explosiveness upfield, you can tell them, all right, go and just murder the tackle, right? Just get upfield, you're in the B-gap, just go and just take the inside shoulder of the tackle and just launch him into the sun. Because now 
you 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 hit that the edge loops in behind you now the edge is a two-way go against the b gap with a ton of space because of what you just did to the tackle and you yourself after you go and you crash on the tackle now can turn and again you ran a sub seven freaking three cone and you can go challenge the quarterback if you put him on a loop and now and he's not the crasher he's not the one coming downhill but he's the one running behind on the twist and the stunt well that's where six nine six really starts to come into play in that three cone that's where that lower frame six foot three and those shorter arms allows you to come and be tight around a corner like an edge right and so that he he projects as a guy who's going to benefit from twists and stunts in that way when you look at some of the other uh players that the eagles have brought in uh, which i don't i don't want to spend too much time talking about the late round picks but teron jackson the edge out of coastal carolina and then patrick johnson to a lesser extent the outside linebacker out of uh Tulane. you can also see this teron jackson is uh is 6'2 254 he's got a 33 and a quarter inch arms means a little bit more length he is a vertical explosiveness player he is a snap jump player right so he is uh, 77th percentile on the 40-yard dash, 68th percentile on the broad jump, 67th percentile on the 20-yard. He is explosive on a line. He is not a turn-the-corner player. So this is a guy that you put on the field, and you tell him, hey, go crash the, I'll, I'll go crash on a stunt. Go crash into the B-gap. Go o- open up room for a defensive tackle to loop behind you. On his mock draftable comparison is Jabal Sheard, who was an edge for the Colts, who under Jonathan Gannon, well, under Matt Everflus, but when Jonathan Gannon was there, who was used as a crasher, who was used as a stunt guy, right? This is the sort of role that we could see Teron being successful in, even as a late round pick. Patrick Johnson, much more so a kind of three, four outside linebacker, on ball Sam guy. We'll talk about him in a second. Um, but so you you can see the Eagles bringing in body types that are not, all right, this is a traditional one tech, this is a traditional three tech, this is a traditional five tech. We're going to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to rush our gaps because that's what that's what Jim Schwartz did. We got four guys. We're, we're going to put them in gaps. They're going to get upfield. They're going to rush those gaps. And that's how we're going to live. With Teron Jackson and, and strongly with Milton Williams now, you have players who can work through different gaps and players who have experience playing different gaps in the running game with Milton and the ability to run twists and stunts, which is a lot more so what the Colts did. So I think you can expect and you should expect, given the picks that the Eagles made, the Eagles to run more twists and stunts this year than they did last year, which would be indicative relative to where Jonathan Gannon came from. The last thing I'll say about Milton Williams is this. I side with Tom Donahoe, who uh, it's become evident now, everybody who has seen the clip of Howie Roseman going around the the draft war room, congratulating people and getting pumped of the Milton Williams pick. He goes up to Tom Donahue, who is a uh, senior personnel executive for the Eagles. I want to say he is the senior director of player personnel for the Eagles. Uh, he goes up to Donahue to celebrate, and Donahue's just not having it. It's just I don't not not we're not doing the not doing the hand bump. We don't like that. So. He goes up to Donahoe. Donahoe is, is is upset, and the Eagles had traded back from 70 to 73. Uh, at 70, the Panthers took Brady Christensen, and then at 71, the Giants took Aaron Robinson, who was a corner out of UCF. And then at 72, the Detroit Lions took Ali McNeil, who was a defensive tackle out of NC State. And it's since become clear that Donahoe wanted Ali McNeil. And that makes sense. Uh, Ali McNeil was actually a player that I highlighted on the pre-draft show for the Eagles. Uh, he had had a visit with them. He had had a conversation with them. Uh, and he fit their testing thresholds the same way that Milton Williams did. I have McNeil as a substantially better football player right now. 
Uh, McNeil was a top 100 player on my board, which we're obviously we're picking in the 70s. So I had him as a late three grade. He would have been going early round three, but you get over that. That's fine. I had him as interior defensive line seven. So it's again, it's a solid player in a pretty bad interior defensive line class. Uh, I would have been really in on an elite McNeil pick. I had Milton Williams uh, outside my top 100, about 20, 25 picks, 20, 25 spots lower. It's because Milton's just not ready yet. Milton is a multiple year player. Milton is, he's going to take 25% of the snaps for us in year one. Uh, but we're not going to see really substantial pass rush sort of dominance and sort of impact on third down and everything that we want out of this guy until at least 2022, if not longer. McNeil was much more so ready for that. McNeil also did not play uh, the same system. He played a nose tackle role. He played in a three down front, but he's shown a lot more of his hands. Uh, he's shown a lot more in terms of his pass rush arsenal's ability to push the pocket than Williams has. Uh, and he brings really good functional strength in the running game. And while he isn't a unbelievable otherworldly athlete six two three seventeen so he's got about 35 pounds on williams his body is ready to play in the interior uh has better length and then he also still is good tester he had uh 85th percentile in the 10 yards 73 in the 40 65 in the vert 66 in the broad and so he fit all of their qualifications and he wasn't super sexy crazy athlete but he's a really good ball player and he's ready now i would be very interested to follow the careers of Aline mcneil milton williams um, but obviously, once they end up in their respective spots, it's hard to say, oh, McNeil would have been good in Philadelphia, too, if he ends up good in Detroit, because coaching staffs change the way players develop, because it's all about how you put them in their roles. And we've talked about how the Eagles coaching staff might use Milton Williams. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. 
That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Atlassian. Which brings me to you know, transitions. You see that? Uh, Zach McPherson, corner out of Texas Tech, who was not the next pick for the Eagles. Uh, excuse me, he was. And then, and then it was Kenny Gainwell, who uh, I want to talk about Kenny Gainwell as well, kind of in this conversation. But Zach McPherson, who was a multiple season starter at Texas Tech, uh, playing in the Big 12, playing heavily in off coverage, ton of experience in zone. Penn State transfer, so he's a four-star recruit. Uh, did not have the 40 they usually look for, 47th percentile, but 92 percentile vert, 91 percentile broad. Uh, he had a 94th percentile 20-yard split, so something clearly happened between 20 and 40 yards on his 40-yard dash. So again, I think they're fine with what he did athletically. Uh, that zone responsibility at Texas Tech, uh, will translate to zone coverage for Jonathan Gannon. He is decisively not ready to play NFL ball. Not comfortable in man coverage. Is very has good transitions and and is willing to play physical, but he doesn't like to really finish the job. And so he'll be playing catch man, right? So off alignment route will come to him. He'll, he'll he'll take leverage steps. He'll get to where he needs to be. And then the receiver will come initiate contact at the break point, And McPherson will let him initiate contact and let him separate and then try to chase him down in the open field. And he's fast, but not that fast. Uh, so he's allowing separation on the break consistently. Uh, he'll, he'll guess very often as well. Uh, when he's in off coverage, he's playing square to line of scrimmage. Uh, and he'll say, all right, you know, especially when he's working out of the slot, which, you know, the people have talked about moving him into the slot. Good route runners are going to take this kid's breakfast early uh, because he likes to guess and he'll react to the first move and he'll open his hips. and That's going to expose his back and you're going to be able to get on top of him. And again, he's got really good transitions, uh, good feet. And so he can get away with it sometimes, but it's not going to fly so much at the NFL level. He was appropriately drafted in the fourth round. There's been this conversation about like, what a steal. And oh, we were loved him. And we were so excited. Like Harry Roseman couldn't focus on his day two press conferences because he was just thinking about Zach McPherson. He's a fourth rounder. You know what I mean? Like this is like, this is Avante Maddox Rasul Douglas level of player. Like he has some good traits, but he has some significant problems right now. And we should not expect him to be a high impact player in year one, but you look at the depth chart and it's Avante Maddox and Cravon LeBlanc all behind Darius Slay. McPherson's going to start, if not in base defenses as the other outside corner, then in the nickel as the third corner. Uh, I don't see how he gets buried behind LeBlanc and Maddox on the depth chart becomes the fourth corner. If he does, kudos to the Eagles for maybe being responsible with him, but he does need reps to develop and it's just going to take time. He, I don't think he's a trustworthy player man coverage yet. He's got good, good enough size for it in terms of his height and his length, but uh, he's also a, another thinner player and another lighter prospect. And so McPherson represents to me a coaching staff ad. Uh, this is a guy who obviously he fits with the Eagles like, but is clearly the sort of player who, because of his experience in zone, because of his willingness to play in the pedals, willingness to play deep and then close downhill. I think he's a good player coming downhill in the blocks. And he, he's got really nice quickness coming down. He's got a great pass breakup against, I want to say it's Texas, uh, where, where, where he's playing a hitch from off coverage. He flies downhill. And like, that's the sort of nonsense that Gannon wants to see. He's got that, that what the coaching staff likes and will be familiar to the coaching staff, but he definitely is not ready, which is perfectly fine for a fourth round pick. So I think the same thing is true of Kenny Gamewell. I think he's a coaching staff pick. Number one, he doesn't have the number of starts the Eagles typically look for. Number two, he was fringed the sort of athlete that they look for. Number three, I don't really think they needed running back that badly on the roster, but they go ahead and they make that pick uh, with Miles Sanders in hand. And Gamewell is a good receiver, right? People have talked about the the running back receiver-like 
versatility for yet another undersized player. He's 5'8". I know he, he weighed in at 201. He absolutely, 100%, I cannot emphasize this enough, did not play at 201. He played a smaller player. He's So he's got that, that receiving ability. He's got zone running ability. Uh, he had 51 catches in his final season at Memphis, and they lined him up at wide receiver at times. He ran routes down the field. Uh, he's not a decisively explosive player. I don't think he has great long speed on film. Again, I know how he tested, uh, where he, he, he has the the numbers that you look for, but you you much more so see a slasher-style player who does well getting skinny through gaps and is smart through contact, um, but he's not particularly elusive. He doesn't have great contact balance. It's just like a, he's going to get what's blocked for you. And so I think that they want him to fill the Naeem Hines role. Uh, and and given his receiving ability and given the, the intelligence with which he plays, uh, the, 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 the smart footwork, working angles on zone runs, it's all very Naeem Hinesy in my opinion. I think Hines is better contact balance, and that lets Hines get away a little bit. But Gainwell certainly can play while skinny. He just doesn't have great contact balance in open space, whereas Hines, that ability to drop his weight and, and hit those spin moves and whatever, I don't think Gainwell has that sort of elusiveness. So to me, McPherson and Gainwell first picks of, of day three feels like really the coaching staff was able to get their teeth into the picks and, and be able to say like, these are guys that we really, really like. And that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's good news. One of the biggest problems for the Eagles, most recent draft classes altogether has been okay. Bad picks. Uh, like I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that because of the coaching staff didn't develop JJ Ortega Whiteside. Uh, that's why he was bad. He certainly, Ortega Whiteside came in and just struggled from day one. He's a player I liked out of college, one good in the pros. You go and more so look at a player like Miles Sanders, whose pass catching ability has gotten worse over the last couple of years. A player like Jalen Rager, who one, one game would be running all vertical routes, deep posts and deep nines, and the next game would be running all shallows and bubble screens. There was an inability to develop players in Philadelphia over the last several years. They had... Rasul Douglas running off coverage. Just can't do it. Not physically capable of doing it. If you're going to use that player, use him correctly, put him up on the line of scrimmage. With that lack of development, it becomes even harder to judge some of these draft classes who, even if these picks weren't good picks or they were fine picks, they're developmental picks, uh, because they didn't develop, they're now definitely 100% bad picks, but it's not 100% on the front office. It's also on the coaching staff. Players like Gainwell and McPherson are players that I think the coaching staff should be able to use and develop because they are scheme fits based off what you saw in college. So they should be able to translate one-to-one if the Eagles run what we expect them to run on offense and on defense. As such, if I'm talking about year one impact on the Eagles roster, considering draft capital, but also team needs, talent, and scheme fits, you think Devontae is going to be the most impactful player. And then Dickerson and Williams, I do not expect to be as high impact year one players. I think Dickerson's going to be O-line six. Maybe O-line five left guard, which if he does, great. Um, but also, you have to remember, I'm not sure he plays 16 games. And then Williams, I think, is going to be defensive tackle three, much more realistically defensive tackle four behind us on Ridgeway. And they're going to use him on pass rush downs because of the explosiveness as a crasher and as a stunt guy. But I don't think he's really ready for that yet because it's not what he did in college. Gainwell is going to see a lot of snaps. I think that they're going to use Gainwell a ton. Uh, they use running back rotations in Indianapolis. Sanders is a unreliable, at worst, inconsistent, at best pass catcher right now, who also loses yardage because the decisions he makes behind the tackles. Gainwell is 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 he'll 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 run into the blocks of guys sometimes. He'll get a little bit urgent. I think he needs to play with better patience, but generally is a smarter runner. Him and McPherson, 
thin corner room. McPherson has a ton of experience playing zone and slot and outside versatility. Yeah, I think those players are going to see significant playing time. So McPherson and Gainwell, the two players that I circle in terms of year one impact. Hopefully Dickerson matters more over his first contract and so does Milton Williams as Williams comes along and Dickerson sees more opportunity. But Gainwell and McPherson are the players that I anticipate to be big time Eagles in 2021, which, you know, don't expect the team to be very good, but it's always fun to root for successful rookies. Running through the final guys, uh, Marlon Tui Pulotu, Tui Pulotu, Tui Pulotu. Marlon Tui Pulotu is a uh, good one gapping one tech, right? Uh, he can he can two gap for you, but he is a, a run defending player. He does not have much patch roast juice. Javon Hargrave backup here because Hassan Ridgeway is a Fletcher Cox backup at three tech. Same is true uh, of Milton Williams. These are pass rushing guys. Tui Pulotu is a run defending backup guy. He's Javon Hargrave insurance. Uh, Hargrave obviously had to take some time coming along last year and is now uh, in a new defense as well in Indianapolis. Uh, So they restructured that deal in March. Uh, They have him now with, I think, a new three-year deal. Let me double check that. The Eagles, so they they restructured him in March and just pushed a lot of money into the future. Um, But he's still got only two years left on his deal. And so Tui Pelotu gives you a nose tackle developmental guy back up there uh he'll be a rotational player in year one because his body is pro ready uh he's he is what he is and he's got good hands in the run game so fine with that pick uh don't think he has much pass rush juice but it's still an important role um they developed grover stewart there very nicely uh, and found a way to use him on rushdowns as well in, in a crash stunt game there at indianapolis that's probably what they're hoping to do with tui Pelotu because he's got the size that hargrave doesn't have hargrave's just a, a little bit of a smaller squad your dude uh teron jackson Edge four, edge five. Don't think a roster spot is guaranteed to him. All snap anticipation, all first rush, first step uh, player. He win, he win the rush rep right away. He doesn't win it. Good power in his hands. Not a bendy player. Uh, so again, he has to be able to win on a straight line. That's why you like him as a as a crasher on stunts. Jacoby Stevens, uh, very high caliber athlete who just simply is a linebacker in a safety's body. Does not have the transitions necessary to play in coverage. Has to play up in the line of scrimmage. They're going to try to have him play at 230 plus. Uh, and they're going to have him try to play a backup linebacker role while also being a special teamer. If they're trying to get another Nate Gary, I'm going to put myself through a wall. And Patrick Johnson. So Johnson is objectively interesting because he's 100% a 3-4 outside linebacker. He is a stand-up wide rusher which we have not seen the eagles use under jim schwartz and apparently we may now see the colts defense you know that the eagles do now as as they're inspired by the colts defense he and Jannard avery are kind of similar builds and similar roles and i would not be surprised if we see johnson and Jannard avery used in a on ball linebacker role where they are as realistic threats to drop as they are to rush on any given down talking about this on ball sam linebacker role right uh this this uh uh you know i don't want to say anthony Barr role because anthony Barr is really good and if you say anthony Barr, we're like oh shoot we're gonna have an anthony Barr. no we're not they're gonna try to have a player and they can do that for sub packages because again gannon came from minnesota not just indianapolis uh so between patrick johnson and Gerard avery they're gonna hope to get that johnson's low-key an interesting player uh Active hands, violent, tremendous hustle, dude. Not the sort of athlete you want on the field as a starter, but he can get away with it in sub packages. I think he's a smart cookie. Uh, he and Avery are both dense, physical builds. Uh, and so I think that, yeah, you you line them up way deep on the outside. You send them in on, in on blitzes, and they crash in from the outside. And they're going to 
compromised pocket integrity. And that's what you envision for them. So neither Johnson nor Teron Jackson are guaranteed roster spots. Uh, I'd be surprised if Jacoby doesn't stick just because of the special teams ability and linebackers so thin for the Eagles. Um, but Jackson and Johnson are both not guaranteed roster spots just because of the, the the strength at edge for the Eagles right now. But they'll try to get them on the pack, the practice squad and bring them back next year. Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, both on contract years. So, uh, yeah, that's the Eagles 2021 draft class. If I, I graded this class, I'm pretty sure I gave it a C, C+. Uh, it's got a ton of risk. Just... Jacoby was a high caliber recruit who just never worked out at LSU. Milton Williams is a tremendous athlete who right now does not have a clear NFL role or usage for at least one year, if not two. Zach McPherson is a naturally talented cover man who right now does not have consistent man coverability. Um, Landon Dickerson is a, is a significant injury risk. Devonte Smith is a historically thin wide receiver. All of them could be good. Jacoby could be a core special teamer, Backup linebacker safety for four years. Key role. Uh, Zach McPherson could be the Eagles starting outside corner two this year and every year beyond. Milton Williams could be six plus sack per year interior guy, which is rare. Devontae Smith could be the best receiver in franchise history, you know. Uh, But there's a lot that's going to keep each one of those players. And one big thing for each of those players, it's going to keep them from reaching that. So it's 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 a swing for the fences draft, which... Let's say the Eagles miss on every swing. Well, they're the exact same place next year as they are this year, and they probably maybe potentially need a quarterback too, depending on how Jalen Hurts plays. If they hit on one or two, they're probably not very good this year, and they probably potentially maybe need a quarterback next year, depending on on how Jalen Hurts plays. But they're going to have Devontae Smith, and that's going to be awesome. You know what I mean? So it is in that they have a long arc, uh, a, a long time horizon. Taking some of these players feels appropriate. Take your big swings now. When you don't really have a, a an urgency to win, you know the coaching staff is all new, so they're they're gonna have immunity for a couple of years. Roseman clearly has job security, right? He's out here just making wild picks, like he's gonna be fine. But you can't do this every draft. So big swings now, hit on a couple, get some confidence in the front office again, because obviously there's very little confidence in front office right now. Uh, get some blue chip players right now. You would not describe the Eagles as having any blue chip players, save for perhaps Fletcher Cox. Lane, Kelsey, conditional on health, and then Brandon Brooks as well, conditional on health. But uh, altogether, not not a blue chip roster. Uh, and so get some blue chip players, especially at skill positions. Uh, and hopefully you start to rejuvenate this roster. But it is a long-term timeline. And so you take your big swings. Uh, I think the Eagles will definitely get one really good player from this class. Who it is, I'll tell you in a couple years. Uh, but I think they'll get that. And I think that they'll also get a big bust or two. Uh, you know, whether it's Landon Dickerson who just can't stay healthy or Williams who never develops or whatever. Um, it's a high risk class. And so there's going to be some picks that are awesome and some picks that we look back in a couple years and we go, man, we had such high hopes for that guy and it just never panned out. But there you go. I forgot to do an ad break. We're going to have to put that in there somewhere. But I didn't forget any of the players, which is I usually do. So I'm happy about that. Uh, that was my 2021 NFL draft re- recap for the Eagles class. Uh, we will go more in depth on how some of the defensive players are tea leaves for us to read in terms of the schemes and alignments and ideas that the Eagles are going to use on bleedinggreennation.com. And so if you enjoy the podcast, not only rate, review, and subscribe as we head into the offseason and start to do some fun, high-level football content, but also make sure you swing to bleedinggreennation.com, best Eagles blog in the world, where all the good writing and the clips live as well. Uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe, listen to the show. Thank you so much for coming by. I'll talk to you again next week.
Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.